Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Reformers Co., the podcast for reformers who want to change their world. I have a really special guest, the man, the myth, the legend, Trog. Uh, thanks for coming on, Trog. We're so glad to have you today. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me on the on the podcast. You know, just really, really famous people only have one word. Like people know Beyonce, right? Uh, and then I just know Trog, man. It's just Trog. And I think that's awesome. I love that. What a great name. <laughs> Thank you very much. You know, nicknames stick. And so I played sports growing up and, you know, Trogans on my jersey. And so Trog stuck and uh, I'll go with it. You know, I'll be famous if it makes Jesus famous. Right. Exactly. I love it. So good. So good. So I got to meet you um, at Bonton Farms one day. It was like this epic day that I met everybody who's anybody at Bonton Farms that day. And uh, Alonzo, the builder and the DOC and uh, and you. And it's like that place, Bonton Farms, is a gathering of um, really amazing men and women. First of all, before we get into Bonton Farms, tell me a little bit about you, your background, where you were raised, um, you know, how you met Jesus, all of those good stuff. I was raised in a small town in Missouri, which I think was close to where maybe you went to college. Is yeah. that right? Uh, I went to Bolivar High School. So Bolivar, Missouri, a town of 7,000 people, which is 30 minutes away from Springfield. Yeah, that's crazy because uh, my husband and I both went to Bible school in Springfield, Missouri. And Jim's first two years, he actually served on staff at a little Assembly of God church in Bolivar. So we know exactly where that's at. There you go. So that Assembly of God church in Bolivar, if it was on the main drag, was next to uh, Southern Hills Baptist Church. And I think that's the one that's right next to it. I came to Christ at five years old at Southern Hills Baptist Church, um, came from a family of believers. My grandfather was a pastor. My dad taught at Southwest Baptist University uh, there in Bolivar. And I just remember the communion plate was being passed around. And I'm a five-year-old kid, but I just started crying. I just started weeping, and I didn't know why. My dad saw this and took me in the back room and shared the gospel with me. And I, I don't remember all the prayer. I don't remember everything, but I do remember him saying that the angels are rejoicing in heaven now. And from that moment on, I've been a follower of Christ. Now, I will say growing up in a small town, it was more about what you didn't do wrong. You know, it was, don't lie, don't cuss, don't drink, don't do these things. Um, but it was a good foundation for me. And so it was not until later I went to college in North Carolina, got a couple different degrees, uh, kind of lived my own life. I, I, I would get up to the edge, you know, put my toe in the world and then the Lord would protect me. Um, but then I fell in love with Jesus all over again when I came to Texas at 23. And that's when my life transformed. And it was a reawakening. I don't know what you would call it. Uh, but I can say when I came down to Texas, I came here for business okay. after getting an undergrad and then an MBA. And man, the Lord had different plans. He just he wrecked my heart for him. And from that moment on, I can tell you as much or as little as we need of time. But uh, from that moment on, it's been about 20 some years of just pursuing Christ with everything I have. So good. So good. So you came to Texas for business, um, fell in love with Jesus. And how, tell me the story of Bonton Farms, how you um, connected with that. You've been there. I mean, a lot of people know Darren Babcott's name, you know, but you've been there from the very beginning, kind of making it happen. And so can you tell us a little bit about the story about Bonton Farms and how you connected with that? 
Absolutely. Uh, I kind of need to rewind a little bit. Can I tell you a little bit from 23 on? Yes. I set the stage. Sure. Okay. Um, so we've talked enough, you know, my heart for discipleship, right? Right. My passion for the ministry I'm running now is equipping disciples to make disciples. And so said another way, I, I like to take followers of, or fans of Christ rather, and turn them into followers of Christ. I right? love it. I love and it. And so that was, that's what happened to me at 23. I was hearing pastors like, uh, Matt Chandler or Jarrett Stevens, or there was a guy named Mike Fetchner who was a pastor at Prestonwood Baptist church, which is a great church. Uh, we joke about it so big, you know, we call it Six Flags Over Jesus because it has like 40,000 members, right? Um, but I love the church. My kids go to school there. And um, but anyway, Mike Fetchner, uh, I was introduced to. And Mike, he walked with Jesus in such a way, Becky. I'm telling you, he he did a 40-day fast every year. I mean, he just he was one of those spirit-filled Baptists, you know. <laughs> and um, anyway, I saw him walking with Jesus, and I was like, man, I want to walk with Jesus like him. And so he started discipling me and a group of other guys on Thursday nights. And we call it our spiritual weapon, you know, because you go in with a pastor and I'm 23, 24, and he's just giving me these deep things. But he had started a ministry called HIS, His Bridge Builders, called Hope and Salvation Bridge Builders, which is still going on in South Dallas now. And he had met with Velma Mitchell, and he had started discipling her son and then they founded, I should say they, Velma and Mike, founded this ministry together. Inner city, African-American woman and a white guy from Preston, Prestonwood, uh, North Plano. And they started this ministry. And anyway, Mike started discipling her son, and he got killed in a drive-by. And so a sad story, but God used that to form and fashion their love for Christ together in the inner city. So whenever I talk about Bonds on Farms, I have to talk about we stand on the shoulders of giants. And if it weren't for Mike Fetchner discipling me 20 years ago or so, um, then, you know, I would not have ended up in Bonton. But what happened was when Mike started discipling me, I started plugging in. I started teaching a Sunday school class. Uh, we did a ministry, my wife and I, apartment life ministries. So I stayed in business for about a decade, but I just kept asking the Lord. I, I knew I had what, what, what's the phrase that says, um, this life will soon be passed, but only what we do for Christ will last. That's right. And that phrase started sticking in my heart. And so I just started serving the Lord more, helped plant a church in Frisco. Finally, when I was about 32, I had a two-year-old and a newborn. I went into full-time ministry. Um, now, at that moment, Mike Fetchner had gotten cancer. And so he was getting really sick. So I was on staff at a great church in Plano, Christ Church Plano, Big high church, Anglican. I didn't know how to spell Anglican, okay? I didn't know anything about that world. And we had a lunch. This was probably 2013. And he said, man, your passion for evangelism and discipleship and helping the poor, he said, you need to meet Darren Babcock. So I said, okay. So I went down to Bonton and I met Darren in 2013, fell in love with it. He had a little garden in his backyard and an aquaponics unit outside in the open. And I said, Darren, I'm in. I went to my pastor at Christ Church and I said, hey, uh, I've got to leave what I'm doing, raise support and become an urban missionary. And he looked, he jokingly said, are you crazy? You know, and I said, well, I, I guess so. But I so at that moment, it took me about six months to raise that support. And so in 2014, January, I went on full time with Darren and we literally had just a hope and a dream and his backyard full of vegetables. And we just started continuing to make disciples and, you know, having a Bible study and another guy named Mike Shell was there. So that's the beginning of, you know, Bonton Farms. But I always love to give credit because we stand on the shoulders of giants. And to be fair, 
you know, prayers never die. And so prayers that have been prayed for 25 years ago from people I don't even know, God is answering today through Bonton Farms. I love it. So just have to give that credit where it's due, right? The Lord's always working. So the bridge builders, do you know a guy named Vaughn? Oh, yeah. Uh, So another story there. So Vaughn, so Mike had passed, and one of the first sermons I ever gave was at Restoration Church, which was the church that Mike and Vaughn pastored together and founded. So crazy. Vaughn's our neighbor, and um, he worships with us now. Yeah, so him and his wife, Rebecca, and the girls, they all just live right around the corner from us. So we've become good friends. So I love it. I love the story. I love how God gets us to where he wants us. So you went from Frisco, Plano, Prestonwood, come on, to Bonton Farms. And uh, when did it or how did it uh, change you? You know, it's just I know the journey. I know you guys have created an amazing, beautiful thing there. But um, before we talk about that, let's just how did how did it change you? What's changed in you from your ministry there at Bonton? You know, every missionary will tell you that you go to help, but you're helped more. Yes. And um, even being on staff at a church and being discipled by such great men, I can say I grew in my walk with Jesus, Becky, more in that probably the first two years in the inner city than I did even in the past 30, you know, before that. Um, There's something about when Jesus says in John 15, he says, remain in me and I in you and you'll bear much fruit. And then he says, remain in me and my words in you. And then he says, remain in me, my words in you, and then obey, right? And when we apply the word of God, it, it is living and active anyway, but it becomes 3D and 4D. And you're getting to, you know, test the scriptures and see if they're true and they are true. And so I say things like this now, for every problem on this side of heaven, there's a promise in the word of God. Mm. Um, I'll say, you know, God hasn't called us to be successful, just faithful. Good. You know, I'll say things like, um, even gangsters need love. You know, I mean, all <laughs> these kinds, right? Like, like we're all human. It's hard to articulate in a few minutes how much Bonton Farms and the inner city changed me. I have deep friends um, that got a shot at life that that didn't, you know, have a shot earlier. And um, it's made me the man I am today. I, I was there almost eight years um, before launching my new Kingdom Focus Coaching. And so um, and I still go down on Wednesdays and I just connected a guy today that needed his roof fixed, actually an 89-year-old lady, uh, Marie needed her roof fixed. And so I just connected two guys to get that fixed today. So still plugged in uh, deeply, but, but, but yeah, the inner city changed me. It, it taught me humility. It taught me what it meant to really rely on Jesus for everything. Mm. Um, not just to say, yeah, I trust you, Lord, but what does it look like to surrender completely? Even this past three weeks, I'll tell you what God has been teaching me deeply. Roy, a guy that we loved and served for three or four years, connected to, by the way, the human impact, which is another ministry I'm on the board of. You need to look at the human impact. They're awesome, okay? The founders, Elizabeth Jordan, it is an incredible ministry, and they're seeing people come to Christ, and they just do, they do a deep dive relationship-wise, right, with people, and they help walk them through all of the things, whether it's an ID or a driver's license or an apartment, all that stuff. Well, they had connected Roy to us and we gave Roy the job and Roy worked with us for about three years. He had some struggles. So he went to Salvation Army for six months to get clean and sober. And he just graduated, let's say two months ago. Well, about a month ago or three weeks, he passed away. 
Okay. And the next day, Darius, a man that we had been praying for that was on dialysis, got a kidney. Now he had been on dialysis for 10 or 11 years. So that's twice as long as most people, they don't make it. And I had kind of, to be fair, honestly, even kind of given up in my heart, you know, when you pray something for so long and, and the Lord just kind of tarries a little bit. Well, God showed me Luke 18. He said, look, you had lost hope for this kidney. Okay. So on one end, God taught me never lose hope. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't lose hope. Moses at the Red Sea, they never lost hope. And if we can keep hope alive, then we're almost unstoppable in the kingdom. But on the other side, surrender. Roy passed away. And so Jesus said, thy will be done, not my will. So I learned surrender. Lord, I'm praying for this. I'm never going to give up hope, but I'm surrendered to your will. So if I surrender to even things that I don't understand, or I may not like, there's another side of peace. And then lastly, gratitude. So thinking about both of these things that just happened, I'm thinking about gratitude. And long story short, a buddy of mine shared with me a gratitude journal he's done for 30 years. And I felt like the Lord was saying, if you can have hope on one side, surrender on the other, and be grateful in the middle. It, it's the trifecta <laughs> for peace, right? And so even, even this past couple of weeks, the Lord is still using inner city stuff and, and being on the front lines to teach me things that I've already told my kids about that. I'm talking to you about that. So hope, gratitude, and surrender. Um, you know, it reminds me of Isaiah 26, three, those who keep their eyes on him will be in perfect peace because mm. our eyes are stayed on him. So it's transforming. So as a missionary, I was raised as a, a missionary kid at home. My dad worked in a ministry called Teen Challenge, which was a, a Christian drug rehab yes. program. So the need is so great. The generational poverty uh, mindsets, um, the ingrained sin and degradation, what sin does to people's lives and what poverty does to people's lives. And, you know, what um, just people not having, like you you saw, food to eat and uh, jobs and transportation. And, uh, you know, is there an answer? Is is there hope for that? Is there, you know, is there a place for the church to connect there? I mean, it's so overwhelming. The Bible says the poor you will have with you always. And I don't know if that means that there's never an end to it, or if it means that, you know, you have job security or that, you know, that's your job forever and forever. What do you do when you live among them and you see it? And um, where do you put that? What do you do with that? Yes. Yes. That's a, that's a great question. Um, There's a story in the old Testament about a guy named Shamgar and he had an ox goad, okay? And an ox goad is a stick with a little pointer thing on it, and he pokes the cattle around. And it said that he won this huge battle, right, with this ox goad, uh, that he took out the enemy with this ox goad. And so a pastor said years ago, he said, do all that you can where you're at with what you have. And I think that's what God is asking us to do. Even if it's one relationship or five, or your influence, you know, uh, you're pastoring a church, or you're, you're putting a podcast together, you put a conference together, it's doing all you can with what you have where you're at. And so that's what I would tell every single person. Uh, I was an athlete, so there's no bench warmers in the kingdom, okay? If you're a minister, if you're a member of the body of Christ, you're a minister. And so I would say, do every little thing that you can. You know the story of the starfish and the kid picking up the starfish and throwing them in the ocean. And people think, well, you can't save all million. Well, nobody saved the one. 
And so um, I would say the one, you know, maybe it's having granola bars in your trunk or blankets when it's cold or bottles of water that when somebody asks you for money, I would not suggest giving money to people struggling with homelessness, but give them the water that you just buy and carry in your car. Give them a granola bar. Any little thing shows the love of Christ. You know, um, Mother Teresa said the poor are Jesus in disguise. And so what would you do if that was Jesus? And I would say we need to use our money, our relationships, our influence, our time, um, and start small. It's been 25 years of service in Bonton when you look from bridge builders and on, and we still have a lot to do, right? Um, Bonton has a long way to go, but every single soul matters to God. Every single roof that's fixed, every single person that gets a license, um, and it might not make a big deal to everyone, but it'll make a big deal to the one. That's right. That's so right? good. Something on my heart has been Malachi 3. And in Malachi 3, he says, the righteous men were speaking together, but the Lord paid attention and he heard their conversation. And so even these conversations are prayers, right? That God answers. And so what I say is um, in Bonton, we would see this happen all the time. I mean, we would see somebody that was struggling with addiction for years and they finally surrendered and went to rehab. And now they've been sober for three years or four years or five years. Um, fathers that weren't engaged in being a father because they were incarcerated, that get a driver's license and a car and a job, or or somebody that had been living with their girlfriend for 10 years and raising children that got married and now owns a home. Um, and, and those aren't, it's not just those doing the work. It's those that are praying for the ones doing the work. It's it's uh, everybody knows in church history, William Tyndale, that got the Bibles across the seas, but nobody knows a guy named Henry Monmouth that was the one who gave the finance ships to get the Bibles, you know? And so um, we would literally, God would answer prayers and we hadn't prayed them yet, <laughs> you know? When, <laughs> when you, you show up at work yeah. and, you know, the person at Salvation Army is there for breakfast. And the guy that's struggling with addiction is there, you know, working on the farm. Those divine connections that's it. happen all the time. Uh, and so I would say, too, we just need to be aware. Mm -hmm. You know, David would pray, Becky. He would pray in the morning and wait expectantly, right? He was looking for God's answer. And so we don't need to just ask. We need to look every day for God's answer. Oh, that's so good. And uh, but yeah, when we live expectantly, uh, we see God around every corner. Right. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's just a beautiful time when, when you do that. And so God doesn't awesome. just open our eyes to see the need. He also can open our eyes to see the answer to that need. And I love it that Amen. you said he answers it sometimes even before we know to ask it. That's fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and I have to tell you, you said Matthew 25, 40, when I was 28 or 29, the Lord really broke my heart for the poor. And I had started something I called Project 2540 with my friend from Missouri who pastors in Springfield today. So good. And the North side who, which you would know the North side of Springfield yeah. is very impoverished. Now it's country poor, but yeah. it's still poor. That's okay? right. Tom Watkins neighborhood. If you've ever heard of that, that's where he's pastoring. Poor is poor. Anyway, <laughs> poor as can be. And, uh, but anyway, you know, all I did there, Becky was God put on my heart, the poor, and I went and raised money and I would send goats and chickens and dig wells and all that stuff overseas just because it was what God put on our heart. And so um, whatever the Lord's stirring, I would tell yeah. people, man, act, 
you know, do something with it. Just do something. That's been the theme through every Reformers podcast is just do something. Wherever God puts you, whatever passions he's put in your heart. I have to say, I just have so much respect for you because of this one thing. I had my first ever Reformers co-conference last October and people would fly in and fly out and come in and come out when they were speaking. But you came even when you weren't speaking and you sat on the front row. And um, that just so touched me and my husband, Jim. And what good came out of that? And and um, where do you see that purpose of Reformers Collective? You know, what what did you see in it from your perspective? Yeah, collective is the key word. Um, for me, it, it's what the scriptures say that we wage war by wise counsel. We, we are not Superman. We are not Rambo. We, as the body of Christ, are all equipped with different spiritual gifts and different passions. And to me, when you get the city and the people to, of God together as a collective, as a collective whole, you know, Jesus says where two or three are gathered, he is there. He says in Ecclesiastes, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. That's what I see in a collective of people that are coming together, that we lean on each other. We, I wouldn't have been able to make that phone call today if I didn't have a relationship with two people that could do it. So we might not have the answers, but we know somebody who does. So to get like-minded people full of the Spirit of God in the Word of God together, is so powerful for the city because you have a gift I don't have. You have a relationship. Everybody has a connection that, that others don't. And, and we need to be encouraged. We need to fan the flame, right, that's in us. And so God tells us all the time, don't neglect the gathering of together of believers. There's something powerful, mysterious. And so for me to see, you know, it's really hard when you're in the mission field and you see so much pain and suffering every day and you feel alone, right? You feel like, where's everybody else? But to see hundreds of people that are there with you and that have their passions and their skills and they're praying for God to do something mighty in a city, um, it just gives you that encouragement. So that's that's what I would say about the Reformers Collective. Yeah. So that's exactly what we want to do is just get people together and say, hey, did you know this person's doing this and this person's doing that? And together we can literally uh, transform a city or at least a block of a city or a part of a city. So that's that's awesome. So tell us one more time now, what are you doing now and where's your passion now? Yeah, well, my passion is the exact same. Uh, I tell people all the time, I say, look, God has called me um, to do three things. It's evangelism, to, to get the gospel to the ends of the world, to make disciples, right? And then to help the poor. And so that's what I was doing in Bonton, and I'm still doing it today. The only difference is I now get to do it with other nonprofits, other church plants, uh, other churches, individuals, entrepreneurs. And so that's what I had felt the Lord was speaking to me is, you know, I, I was still getting to, you know, grow tomatoes and maybe break up a fight or whatever. And there's need for that. But I felt like the Lord was saying other people need to be encouraged. You know, the average pastor lasts 10 years and then they burn out. And so I'm able to coach and encourage and disciple men and women of God uh, that are on the front lines. And so that's what I'm doing. It's the same three things. It's just being able to do it with more uh, organizations and more churches and just be able to support um, really the kingdom of God as it advances. And so that's what I'm doing. Kingdom focused coaching, 
And um, I, I love it. I, my tagline again is equipping disciples to make disciples, right? Or turning fans into followers, right? I love it. And how can people find you if they're looking for you? Yeah, easy. Thank you for that. Um, I've got a website out there. It's kingdom focus, not focused, but kingdom focus coaching.com. Um, you can check out, I've got a video up, but I'll have more videos and I'll probably end up doing some podcasts myself and that fun stuff. Uh, resources are coming. I just finished the material. You know, I launched only six months ago. Yeah. So I just finished the discipleship material. Uh, they can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. You so know that. good. It's hard birthing a baby, right? It's hard getting something <laughs> oh. off the ground. It's hard from yes. starting from scratch, man. I'm like this reformers collective. I'm like, I'm going to keep plugging along, but man, God bless you. I just speak life over you. I speak just the favor of the Lord on all you do that men and women of God would be so encouraged and keep walking the walk and keep running the the race because of your impact and your influence. And I'm just so impressed of your love for God's word and for the, for the love of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you for coming on my podcast. Thank you for saying yes to Reformers Collective and being in my life. I'm excited to have you in my life from this point forward, Trog. Well, and thank you for doing this. Our city needs it. And thank you for taking the courage or having the courage and taking the next step. So I appreciate you. Guys, we just are so grateful for men and women in our city who are really doing kingdom things. So um, if you want to connect with Trog, you can just uh, we'll have the information in the notes here and you can connect with him. And um, who knows, every Wednesday, go down to Bonton Farms. You might see him down there and uh, and just hang out with him for a little bit. You guys have a great day and let's make a change um, for the kingdom, for the king himself. You guys have a great day. 